What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. It's a special week. It's uh, a week that always uh, comes around every year and uh, is often uh, pretty darn exciting uh, for any number of reasons. But the National Sports Card Convention uh, show seems to uh, get bigger and bigger every year uh, for the last few years. Uh, People um, put the companies and dealers and everybody uh, seems to... Uh, really get excited and really um, uh, kind of rally behind this event. And so I think it should be really actually good in Cleveland. I remember when I was selling online, uh, it just seemed like, I don't know if it was just coincidence or just the kind of stuff I ended up selling online, but seemed like I often shipped to Ohio or that definitely Ohio and definitely that area of the country. Seems like a lot of uh, passionate sports fans, passionate card collectors, especially um, young and old, I think in Cleveland. So I think it should be, um, I don't know. It might be kind of a buyer's event. It might be a lot of buyers there, and it might be really good if you have a booth and you have stuff for sale and you're uh, trying to move inventory or whatever it might be. Um, certainly, if you have LeBron James cards or Johnny Manziel cards, definitely might be a good time to sell them. Well, we're going to talk about that probably in our first segment here. We'll talk about the National Sports Card Convention, just briefly a little bit of uh, what's going on, uh, some of the things that uh, I'll definitely be looking for this week. We'll talk about, I've gotten uh, listener questions, uh, that or not listener questions, yeah, kind of listener topics to talk about. And I got a lot more than I thought about, uh, so, or a lot more than I thought I would get. And so we're going to have to break them up. So I'll talk about maybe one or two of them um, today, and then throughout the next uh, month or so, we'll, we'll talk about um, different topics that uh, collectors have asked me uh, via email and Twitter and such. So we'll talk about that. And finally, we'll talk about the NBA. I can't, I don't want to push the NBA, the NBA, basically, I'll talk about really probably just the NBA draft. And uh, that's all I'll end up talking about. Um, But we'll go through, I don't know, nine, 10 picks of the NBA draft. And uh, I'll give you my thoughts before we kind of get into the real preseason of the NBA. We just had the summer league. So I, I saw a lot of highlights and I saw several of the games of these guys. And so I'll talk about that. But I'm going to start the show off. We'll talk about the National Sports Card Convention. If you're lucky enough to go, it starts on Wednesday, kind of a sneak peek day, 4 to 8 p.m. That's on Wednesday. Thursday through Saturday, you can get in from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. That'd be a lot of, that's like eight hours of walking around. You probably could do it, but you might want to make sure you have, uh, I guess they make those backpacks with like where you can store water in them. They're like camelbacks, I think is what they're called. Uh, you might want to carry one of those around. And Sunday is kind of a wind down day. I think my brother's going to be uh, on to his next location after uh on sunday i don't even know if you'll even show up at the event there but if you're from the area or you're there on sunday maybe that's the only day you're able to go that's not a bad day because i saw guys already on twitter uh low picture taking pictures of these big trucks that they're filling up i mean they want to drive home with an empty one or they you know they don't want to spend a whole lot of think about it you would as a dealer you're there for probably 10 12 hours a day maybe even longer and and then on Sunday at 5 p.m. when the show closes, you've got to pack up your truck and get out of town um, or at least pack up your truck and get out of the convention center. Uh, so you can imagine uh, some guys might be willing to do some really good deals around the four o'clock, five o'clock hour. Might not want to push it that late. Some guys might even ditch out early. Uh, but hey, Sunday 
eight three August third uh, might not be a bad day to go. Um, it's it's basically about twenty bucks, twenty five dollars on the day of the show to get in. So make sure you bring some cash or bring uh, some money right away. Um, even if you come in, I was thinking about it. Like those, the national is kind of cool because there's something for everybody. There's there's vintage cards. There's if you want to get autographs, we'll talk about uh, some of the autograph guests. Uh, you can get that. You can meet your favorite. You know, have thirty. 60 seconds with your favorite athlete or one of your favorite athletes. That's kind of cool. You can buy new wax. You can meet the companies. You can go, um, you know, you can just walk around. You have to pay $25, but if you have no more money after that, or you have, if you only have maybe 10 or $20 after that to spend, you can walk around for hours and just kind of probably talk to people or hear other people's conversations. So certainly I think you can get your $25 worth uh twenty twenty five dollars worth there's other levels of vip packages um in terms of you get like little gift basket or little gift bag um you you might be able to get some auto you definitely get some autographs and and some other things with that um and but by now typically the more uh hardcore collectors probably have already worked that out or already have their vip um tickets the wrapper, one thing I would probably definitely be interested in, I don't know if I'd be willing to buy a box um, off somebody for, I uh, wouldn't necessarily be, you know, typically these wrapper redemptions, you know, spurs the sale of, of products um, for both the manufacturer and the retailer and the wholesalers uh, that are there and are being represented at. So I don't know if I'd want to buy a box for this stuff, but I bet people would buy these boxes and they maybe want to be willing to sell maybe the whole set right there or sell certain cards that I'm looking for or, you know, so maybe I, if I don't want to do the, the whole go buy a box and get a free wrapper redemption pack, I might just look around and see if somebody's willing to make a trade or something like that. Um, Panini has several, they have like this kind of 60 card with, uh, rookies and memorabilia rookies, um, there's a list of products and you you have to get it through a certain deal or certain dealers there. They have a six card VIP set, which might be kind of interesting. I don't think the cards would be worth a whole heck of a lot of money, but you do have Johnny Manziel, Jose Abreu, Tanaka, um, and Andrew Wiggins among others in that. So if you have a, if you're a VIP ticket holder, that'll be kind of interesting. I think maybe the nicest, um, rapper redemption set, uh, that Panini has going is this tools of the trade, um, you have to be kind of a fan of basketball, and maybe that's why I like it. But it's a Tools of the Trade update, uh, Rapper Redemption. There's six cards. There's Miami, um, my, from the Miami, formerly of the Miami Heat, LeBron James, Tim Duncan, Damian Lillard, uh, Derek Rose, Chris Paul, and Rajon Rondo. So obviously the, the big hits there are, are Lillard, James, and Duncan probably, and Paul, um, whereas Derek Rose and Rondo, um, you know, Rondo might be on a new team uh, here pretty soon. But to get these, you have to be one of the first 200 customers um, each day at the National to come uh, redeem this. You have to buy a basketball box. You have to buy certified basketball, pinnacle, prism, prestige, elite, or gold standard. So you do have to fork over some money. I think maybe um, pinnacle basketball is not super expensive and neither is prism. Um, And Prestige probably not all that expensive, but if you if you're willing to gamble a little bit, you can go with certified and gold standard. But there are some uh, the the jerseys themselves are numbered out of 175, but they're prime numbered out of 25, and there's laundry tags number of 101. So you have a chance of really getting you know a nice LeBron James prime uh, probably be worth quite a bit, and certainly if you hit the one of one, um, definitely would be make worth. Uh, 
maybe trying to get the card itself. I don't know if buying a box and getting it uh, by the pack, that's up to you, but uh, certainly some nice cards there. Then finally, um, Panini had like uh, this wrapper redemption uh, last year, or not earlier for Donruss, where they had uh, Tanaka and Jose Abreu uh, inside the inside of a, like a rapper redemption. And so they brought that back and they just stamped them with the national. But uh, these are limited to the first 50 collectors that bring a box of 2014 Donruss, the Panini America booth. So might be worth, if you're interested in buying, if you're going to buy Donruss anyways, try to be one of the first 50 people on each day to bring it into Panini and you'll get um, a pack with um, this Tanaka Zabreu and uh, your Dono Ventura cards and I'm stamped uh, by the national. I can imagine those, uh, the Abreu and Tanaka probably have some value um, considering there's what, four days, four or five days. So the cards are technically at a two fifty or so. So, eh, you know, they're, they have some value. I bet upper deck is doing uh, quite a bit. It's their 25th anniversary. So they're doing uh, a wrapper redemption where you have to buy five packs of various products. You want to probably visit their website or the national website to find that out. Um, and it starts on Thursday. So Wednesday, if you show up early expecting to get your upper deck wrapper redemption, you have to wait till Thursday and come back on Thursday um, or Friday or Saturday or Sunday. And, but the key here is you can get up to four packs per day per person. So you can do this up to four times. Obviously, you got to buy 20 packs. Um, but it might be worth it. Every 25th person that redeems uh, for one of these a wrapper redemption packs from Upper Decks actually gets a, a guaranteed autograph card inside of a pack. And there's also autograph cards inside the wrapper redemption from Manziel and, and Upper Deck exclusive athletes like LeBron and Jordan. So uh, certainly might be, might be, I think for only five packs, it might be, you know, if you were going to buy some of the, there's SBX football on here, retro football. Um, there's SP Authentic basketball on here. So SP Authentic hockey, SP Authentic golf. You can buy just one pack of SP game used golf and get one of these rapper redemptions. So you can buy four packs of that and get um, a couple packs. Might be worth doing. One strategy here is if they're giving autographs to every 25th person, you might want to, if you want to do this four times in one day, I would maybe try to go four different times because then you give, if you go once and get all your four packs and you don't get the autograph, then you've kind of eliminated one of your odds of kind of increasing your value. So what I would try to do, um, I guess this is something you could do, but I would definitely go four different times to the upper deck booth to give myself a chance uh, at getting that, that guaranteed autograph just to make it more, make it worth it. Tops is doing a wrap redemption as well. We'll talk about theirs finally. Um, they have a two card wrap redemption. If you open up one box of tops, Allen and Ginter baseball at the tops booth, which is number four, five, five, you'll get one of the mini cards, um, which is either Obreu or Tanaka. So I can imagine those cards. I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of boxes of Allen and Ginter at the uh, national, but you know, and I can imagine there's going to be a lot of people trying to get this wrapper redemption, but those cards probably have a little bit of value, you know, a dollar, two dollars, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less. Um, but certainly if you're going to buy Ginter anyways, you might as well go get your free card. And there's a, an additional mini wrapper redemption where you can get one of eight cards, including Derek Jeter, Manziel, Mike Trout, Albert Bell. I thought that was an interesting uh interesting guy to throw in 
Um, maybe in Cleveland, he's he's more renowned. But anyways, you must open three hobby packs of a 2014 Topps product, except can't do opening day baseball or 2014 mini baseball, Topps mini baseball, but any other 2014. And there's probably some Topps products out there, even Heritage or um, probably some other products out there, archives, that might not be very much per pack. So I think that it might be worth, if you're going to open, it's only three packs. So you might as well grab three packs and go get a mini card. Maybe you get a Manziel, maybe you get a Mike Trout or Jeter or something. It's worth probably at least a dollar or two. So um, yeah. That's what Tops is doing. Outside of that, what we're doing here at Sports Card Radio, obviously my brother is attending an event. We'll call him up and we'll give him a call uh, after the event is over. And be sure to check our YouTube pages. We also have, I think you can go to our homepage, sportscardradio.com, and find our YouTube page. But um, basically, he's going to be shooting videos and uh, showing uh, different kind of stuff that's going on the show floor. You can follow him on Twitter at SportsCardNews. And uh, I might put up – I haven't decided if I'll put up content or not. Uh, what I like to do is kind of um, – Keep track of everybody's links and news articles and little pictures and stuff like that and kind of put up a little review piece for me to um, review as the years pass. Um, I don't know if I'll do that or not. We'll see. But we'll definitely have an interview or two, maybe three, depending on how uh, entertaining or how many uh, subjects, matters there might be to discuss. We'll see. But we'll see about the rest of this program when we come back. Back. Like I said, I got a lot more uh, responses to this video or to this contest that I announced at the end of last show um, than I thought. And I'll go over, I'll try to pick, I'll try to do two or three, but uh, we'll see how uh, quick I can make it, um, how quickly I can answer these. Um, we'll see. I want to spend some time on them. We have some listener requested topics right after this. And we are back. I'm gonna go over some listener questions here. Um, I got a quite a response. More, I thought I was literally gonna get like two people uh, responding to our little contest request on the last show at the tail end of last show. I got about ten people, so I'm gonna actually have to break some of these. Some of these I have to form an opinion about, or kind of like do a little research and then figure out what's my actual opinion on um kind of their question is and and some of these we might even bring bring the the question uh the the listener and and the person asking the question we might even bring them on the show so i'm looking forward to that that'll come in most of the questions i'm only going to get to one or two today that i already have my opinion form for the rest we'll we'll do in august we're going to come you know we'll have national um for uh, we'll talk about the national we'll have interviews with my brother this week i'll probably just let those stand on their own and kind of add nothing else to those shows and then we'll come back in august i don't think i've got a whole lot myself uh going on in august so we'll talk about um all i'll get to everybody's questions just want everybody to know i'll get to your question um we're only going to be able to get to two today if you remember, um, first question um, that I already kind of know what I can say, um, back on show number 150, we brought on Joseph, and his Twitter handle is at baseballcard_js. underscore JS. And if you remember the interview, Joseph was 
a a young collector, buyer and seller, um, really reminds me of myself, but more intelligent at that age. Um, I'm always I'm impressed with maybe I'm overly impressed, or maybe I shouldn't be impressed um, with the youth of America and how just. We're, we're not even talking 15 years ago. I was that age. 10, 15 years ago, I was around that age. And I just feel like, uh, you know, the maturity level and uh, the knowledge and the ability of a lot of these young kids is, is far more than just just a decade has, has gone by. Um, and I'm very impressed. He talked about, um, you know, wanting to buy a card and being very disciplined in the price he was going to sell it at and, or buy it at and then ultimately sell it at. And so um, it had it all planned out and uh, seemed very organized. And so I like that. Lo- love uh, that kind of organization. And uh, he asked me in an email, I probably should pull it up, but basically said, basically said to me, hey, I come on this podcast and I tell people how stupid they are to be a group breaker. And I'll get into why I say that um, a little bit more. I don't think I need to, but I probably will to clear some things up there. Um, But he said, hey, what if I, instead of saying how stupid it is, what would I do? You know, instead of saying, hey, it's stupid, it's whatever, it's not worth it. um, What would I do? If What website would I use? What would I do differently from other group breakers? How would I, quote, cover my tracks? end quote, outside of paying taxes. Uh, and, uh, you know, what would, I, what would I do to become a group breaker? I think it's a great question. And so I'll just get right into it. Um, I'll throw out that I have a website that gets, you know, a few thousand people a day coming to it, not page views, people a day, thousands of people per day. And so I could, within two clicks of a button, have on every single one of my pages on my website, top and bottom or wherever I wanted it, I could have um, a link or a banner or some kind of promotional come to my store and buy into my group breaks. So I could do that. I have thousands of people in email lists um, and I don't promote this stuff a whole lot. You know what I mean? Like I have email lists with thousands of people. I have, uh, I could put some blasts out on Twitter. I'm sure people would see that. I can do a podcast about it. I can do a lot, a lot of things um, that over and above what a guy starting fresh would do. I have thousands of people on YouTube. I can put up a video on YouTube and get people to um, do that. Um, I, I think if I wanted to get into group breaking, it would be incredibly easy. Incredibly easy. But... I think we all know the reasons why I won't. But I will say Joseph's question to me kind of made me remember when I was 20, when I was 21. And I back then I was buying and selling boxes on, on eBay and online and, and on my own website. And I was only 20, 21 years old. And I remember it was exciting buying a box for $45 and selling it for 55 and making $4. I remember those days when that kind of work and that kind of, uh, you know, kind of gave me hope for a business. I was like, oh, what if I sell 100 boxes a month or 300 or 400 a week or get to 1,000, start making real money? I didn't think about, at that time, I didn't, when I was young, and I think this is maybe the thing that young people learn, and this is certainly what I learned over time. There's a lot easier ways to make money. I like the more royalty stream-like business model. And if you watch uh, Shark Tank, I know everybody hates Kevin O'Leary, and a lot of it's an act. If you really 
look at that show and and watch it enough. He's he's at, he's an exec when they roll the credits, he's like an executive producer. So he's on there acting and kind of playing his over the top attitude. But if you get through all that, cut through all Kevin O'Leary's BS and kind of his way to promote his show, his business sense is all he makes some bad deals. If you watch the show enough, especially Dragons Den, he makes some bad deals. But he loves the royalty stream business. He loves giving you money once or buying in once and then getting paid for the rest of his life. And that sounds like a that sounds like a dream come true. And so those are the kind of businesses I like. I like businesses where I do the work once or I invest once or I do this one time and maybe a little bit of work here and there every couple months, you know, at most. And then that's it. I get paid. I make money. And I don't have to do anything. So that's why I don't like the group breaker model. It could be the group breaker model. It could be working. The reason why I don't have a job is because I I don't believe in putting in 10 hours of work. The company could make millions of dollars off my goodwill and my work and, and the work I do. And I get paid 80 bucks for the day. So I, I can, I, if I had a podcast on finance, I would, I would trash hundreds of different businesses. So don't, don't take it. I just, before I get into the topic, I just, in answer, actually answering the question seven minutes in, I haven't even answered this question yet. Um, but, and I will, but I want to make it clear that, uh, just be, don't take it personal that I trash on group breaking or trash on the business model. I trash on, I would trash on almost any business model, 99% of them, you know, it's not, nothing, um, don't take it personally. And when I was 21, 20 years old and young and just starting, I made the same mistakes. I got into businesses that were too labor intensive, too capital intensive, too much work, too risky, um, ultimately not going to make that much money. And I learned from it. And sometimes that's the best way to learn. So I will say that if I were to come a group breaker fresh, just start out hatch, what would I do? First thing I would do is maybe pick an angle at first, you know. Um, and what I mean by an angle is maybe I would specialize in something. Instead of saying, I'm, I think it would be tough as a group breaker if you didn't know how the product cycles work and how, you know, there, you could buy some of this stuff on pre-order. And if you don't sell it fast enough and don't break it fast enough, the price has gone down $10, $20 a box within a week or two of coming out. And so if you don't understand all that or really appreciate that or have a big customer base to really sell through all this product very quickly, what I would do is probably specialize in something. So I could do, I could go totally off the map you know there's a lot of people breaking football there's a lot of people breaking um baseball there's a lot of people breaking even basketball a lot of people even breaking hockey i could take it a few steps further i've seen guys just you know focus on ufc i've seen uh, what about golf or what about um something uh soccer you know mls comes out i know you're you're reducing the number of products you can hit but I think it's actually easier to find your customer. Imagine if you got, again, if I just got into group breaking fresh and I want to break the, the coming, I want to break elite football and, and Spectra basketball and all the stuff that just came out. I'm competing with a whole bunch of other people out there. And it might be kind of why your customers are out there. Um, finding them and targeting the right ones and getting them to buy that day is going to be difficult. Whereas if I was the only one really promoting this big golf break, I'm going to do a a five case break of SB authentic golf or whatever. Now I know 
I need to go find golf fans. So let me go to Twitter and find out who collects cards and is, is talking about golf and likes golf. Let me try to get them in. Let me go to the golf forums. Uh, you know, maybe I can promote my break on, uh, on some of these forums out there. And I, or if I can't, I'll still go to the forums and just maybe have in my signature link or try to drop little hints that, Hey, I do, um, I do breaks and I'm specializing in this golf break. So I would, that's probably if I was starting out fresh, my first initial step would be my first initial thought would be I need to take this slowly and chances are the best thing to do is probably specialize in something. So all of a sudden I'm a new breaker. If I'm trying to compete with the, with the guys that are already out there doing three, five, six cases a week or a day, I'm going to look like an idiot trying to fill one break, two break, a box or two. Whereas if I did a five case break and I was known as the the guy that did S, I did golf breaks the best out of everybody. Then all of a sudden I'm the number one guy. I'm the number two guy to go to with golf instantly. Like I didn't even have to do that many breaks or really prove myself. So I would pick a niche probably. I would look around. Maybe hockey's underserved. Maybe basketball's underserved. Maybe some of this, uh, like maybe baseball is kind of underserved because guys don't like to break that because there's so much base. Um, there's so much, um, you know, and even a set like Allen and Ginter is tough to break because you have Snoop Dogg in there and you have uh, creatures and all this stuff. So it would take probably some organ- more organization. You'd have to figure out how you divvied up all those cards. And so it might be a little bit more work, but um, I think it would be better served to try to specialize and be the number one guy in something than try to just jump into it and break what everybody else is breaking um, and, and probably not even being able to compete with them on price and on, on volume and on promotion and all that. Um, I think that's probably where I first would go. And that's not to say I can't expand. What I would do is I would use that as my springboard to then I would so I would do golf and I'd be the best golf guy or I'd be the best low end baseball. I'd do fifty cases of top series one and I have no problems you know, take me a week to sort it all and send you guys all your cards, but I'd be the I'd be the only guy willing to do big big case breaks and sort out all the base and send you all the base because that typically you want the base um with those kind of sets. So I'd specialize something. I would become um I would become kind of known and maybe build a reputation around that. And then I can do tops prime football. And then once I have a customer base and I have people that trust me and people that might, you know, do the golf break and like, Hey, I sure wish you would do, I would, I would definitely build my customer base and I would survey them. Hey guys, I know you guys break this golf and we have a lot of fun or, Hey, we do these low end baseball sets like top series two and Allen and Ginter and, uh, or mid to low end. I probably should call them uh, baseball sets with a ton of base. What else would you do? You guys like basketball? No. Do you guys like football? Oh, we only like these sets. Figure it out and kind of build. I would start building, like uh, pushing my snowball, so to speak, down the hill. At that point, um, I would start really small, focus on one product, one segment of the market, build up a reputation, a strong reputation, be known as kind of the leader in that, and then you can take that number one leader position in golf cases and I can now easily transfer my reputation. Well, these guys trust me for golf. They'll trust me for elite football. They'll trust me for any, any kind of uh, break that we end up doing. So that would be my main focus getting started. 
what website would I use? I would probably want to like bootstrap this business for like zero dollars or like whatever the cost. Say I'm getting five cases of SB Authentic Golf. I have no idea how much that would cost, but let's say it costs five thousand. Say it's a thousand a case, and it costs me five thousand dollars to get my five cases of inventory that I'm going to sell. I'd I'd probably try to bootstrap this for for that amount. And I wouldn't buy the cases until I had probably some people committed for the breaks. Um, So I probably wouldn't even, for my first break or two, I probably wouldn't even... I probably wouldn't even have a website. I don't know I, how other forums work. Some of you might be able to educate me. Maybe this is not possible. But the first thing I would look into is I would look, I would go to blowout forums or Freedom Cardboard or Sports Card Forum, or I'd go to any number of these websites and say, um, I would try to figure out, hey, how can I, um, they, they often have like group breaking threads. And I know maybe if you're starting out with a zero account on there or you're starting out with a fresh account or you've never done breaks um, on a forum, it might take a little while. But starting your website is the same thing. And if you pay, if you start paying $10 a month or $30 a month or whatever it might be for hosting and a security SSL certificate and, all, and a domain and all this other stuff um, – it might not be worth it. Maybe your business doesn't take off. So I'd rather kind of piggyback again, piggyback kind of off the customer base of these forums. And I don't know if you've got to order it through, you got to order the box through a certain person or you got to do something uh, when you post your videos. I don't know, but chances are it's probably not too big of a barrier. And so I would probably start my uh, group breaking business on a forum and get some reputation that way. I think that's one way to gain a good reputation. And maybe it, maybe you have to set your if you're starting out on a forum, maybe to separate again you're going to it's just like competing in the group break business. You're going to be competing against everybody else on that forum. Maybe you have to do a box. What I would try to do is if I can't setting your sights on a five case break might be a little high. Maybe I'll just do one box of SP Authentic Golf. And really what I would do to set myself apart, I would run it at a loss or I'd run it at just pure break even, maybe a 10 to $20 loss. And maybe I have to do that two or three times. But if I, if I know my cost structure and it's almost like a test of a, a test rollout of my business, it might be worth just doing a box and seeing how many customers customer complaints or questions or issues I have to deal with. Um, how many, how hard is it to package up just one box of cards and package it all up and ship it out and make sure that everybody gets it and make sure they're all in good condition and whatnot and test your webcam and test your stream and all that. It might be worth it. And honestly, if you lose um, $100, $200 figuring out how to do the best at, that's nothing. Investing $100, $200 in a business to see if it'll work or not is nothing. So I'd probably run my first couple breaks out at a break-even, more than likely a loss. But I'd try to cap that loss. If it's a $100 box, I probably don't want to lose more than 20%, you know, 20, 25, 30%. So I'd probably be willing to max lose $30 on the break. And I'd be willing to do that 5 to 10 times. So I'd be willing to lose at most at little at least 150 to 300 dollars um that's that's where i that's probably where i'd start so i'd set my sights low there if i transition out of that 
then I would probably look to what kind of website that I really needed. Maybe maybe if you're only if you're specializing in something, you don't really need a shopping cart. You don't really need a whole you know suite of a website with ways to pick teams and stuff like that. And that kind of rolls me into my, what would I do differently? I think what I would do differently is there seems to be this race to when you post your breaks and you get customers that are buying into your breaks every single time. I would try to figure out, I've talked about this on the show and I probably don't need to go into it in a lot of detail, but I would, and this leads me to, this shows you that I, like my tendency towards more royalty, doing the work once, selling it once, and getting kind of paid for that on perpetuity would be some kind of subscription model. I don't think, like I said, it's, uh, and, and I, this is another reason why I don't, um, don't recommend this business model that I'm kind of describing, but one reason is it's hard to scale up. It's hard. Yes, I, I yes I can I can get into group breaking and I can get to however many cases a day or, or a week that I'm doing, but it would be hard to get to a hundred cases a day or two hundred cases a day. You know, it, it's basically be it's almost like setting up a website. I I don't ever set up or I rarely I'll, I'll never say never on a website, but I rarely set up websites where I'm like. I can only get 40 people a day to it or 50 people a day, you know, and, and that's it. You know, there's no way to get any more to it. That would be a bad, typically, not in all situations, but that typically would be a bad website. You know, you want to get as many people as possible to a website. But so I don't like that you can't scale group breaking. Uh, but one way that I think that would make it a little bit easier would be some kind of subscription model instead of every break and every product that comes out i have to i have to put it on my website i have to describe it i have to pick all the prices and i have to you know i have to do all this stuff and then i have to put it out there and people have to buy it and then oftentimes i see um kind of the frustrating thing on both ends both the seller of the break and the breaker and the buyers that are in there waiting for the break to happen is oftentimes you get down to just four five six spots left or three four five six spots left in a break and so people are sitting they're waiting for a break to happen and then the the breakers waiting for people to buy these spots that clearly people don't want at whatever price they have it at um so what i would do is eliminate all that and i would pre-sell you know just like blowout cards and da card world pre-sell a lot of this stuff i would pre-sell it but i would pre-sell it in big long stretches i would say okay we have this football season coming up and i know that i have 15 guys that want the same 15 teams for every break I do. Doesn't matter if it's elite or score or playoff or whatever set it is, tops, whatever. They want it. Well, I would sell them the whole season. And I would I would say, well, based on what tops basically lays out the whole season, you know, Panini's a little tighter lipped about it, but Panini rarely comes up with any surprises. You know they're gonna have Prism, you know they'll probably have Select, you'll know they have they'll have maybe gold standard, you know for sure they'll have national treasures, you know for sure you have all this. Now you have to once you get I, I that's not something I recommend some small guy right off the bat doing. But certainly as you get more established and you know, again, we've talked about on the show, it's hard It's hard to know if you can get eight cases of our product or three or five or, or what. 
with a product. So it might be kind of difficult to do this kind of pre-sell subscription model, but it would be something I would think of. Maybe I don't do it for eight cases, but I do it. I know I can probably get, if you have a decent account with a distributor and you have open accounts with maybe three or four of them, um, you know, you're going to be able to get a case or two. And, and of course, in my, in my verbiage and my terms of service, when you pay me for this subscription model, I'll have in there, Hey, if we can't do this break, then I'll refund your money for that month or I'll give you this amount of money back. And you have all that laid out. That transitions into rules and guidelines. I'd cover my you-know-what in this business. Group breaking just, it you know, people say, oh, well, it's just like opening a box and it's just like opening packs at Target or a hobby shop. Yeah, it is. But let me tell you, and I've said this many times, the law requires Tops and Panini and any of these idiots that decide to make cards, no purchase necessary needs to be on the back. Odds need to be on the back. And it's because they got sued like in 1990. So this is, you know... I'd probably figure out some kind of way where I could, I, I you know, am I going to call a lawyer? You know, yeah, I have friends that are lawyers. That's, you know, the beauty of spending as many years in college as I did. You, I made a lot of friends and a lot of them are a lot more successful than me and have nice jobs and, and are doing really well for themselves. And luckily, a few of them went to law school and passed. So I can call any of them I want and I would, that's what I would do. Not that everybody has that luxury, but uh, you know, if you make enough friends in life, you sh- you really should know a lawyer or two. So, I would call them up and say, "Hey, how can I piggyback?" I would explain everything to them, and and being a lawyer, they're they're gonna be able to wrap their head around it, um, and probably do some research on their own, or more than likely have their paralegal do some research, and then uh, send it to them in an email or a fax, and then they they get back to me. And I'd piggyback off something, not that I would be 100% legit or I really would be legit if somebody decided to sue me, but at least on the surface, I would show that I actually care about running a legitimate business. And maybe I'd have to do a no purchase necessary to get into breaks. Maybe I'd have to do something with odds or maybe I'd have to do something um, with some kind of language, but I certainly would look into it. I wouldn't just blow that over and say, ah, nobody will care. Nobody will care about me. No big deal. That's not a way to run a successful business, whether it's a group rake or whether it's some kind of royalty stream business. Not a good idea not to consider um, any kind of applicable laws or ways that your business can end. Because imagine if you were killing it. Imagine if you did get up to where you were doing 100 cases a day and you had employees and you were cracking this stuff off and you were one of the top group breakers in the industry. Imagine if somebody did shut down your business for some reason or somebody did sue you. Look at Check Out My Cards. Check Out My Cards was started in like uh, the guy's basement or the guy's room. And uh, now they have a a huge warehouse and they're going to have to probably buy another one. And Beckett offered to buy uh, Check Out My Cards. and, And he's getting sued now. That's what happens when you become successful and you start making money and you start doing really well. People sue you. It happens in every business. So um, if I was had grandeurs of becoming a real successful group breaker, I'd certainly cover my butt 
just, you know, I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't spend a lot of money trying to do it. Obviously, the more money I started to make, the more money I'd be willing to spend to try to make sure I was doing everything uh, the right way or essentially made it hard for people to sue me. That's the most important thing because not that you're going to be able to win, not that check out my cards or back it or is going to win a big judgment or, or a lot of stuff's going to happen out of that lawsuit. What's going to happen is they're going to pay their attorneys a lot of money. They're going to have to pay an attorney a lot of money and maybe even bring one on staff. My, you know, you might be looking at it where, oh man, I might end up paying this guy 50 G's. I might as well offer, offer some lawyer a job for 75 K put put him in the office so that that you know that's what ends up happening so you got to be you got to be careful there and i'd have some kind of rules and guidelines uh from the beginning so i hope i answered that question at least a little bit i think i i take you all the way through the baby steps i don't need to get through the finer points of opening the cards and 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 doing a webcam what web i think maybe when he's referring to a website not just what i'm selling what webcam streaming site that's a good question i'd probably what i'd want to do is I'd, I'd want to grow to where I could use something like GoToMeeting or Adobe. I've done a lot of, a lot of the investment um, little webinars I do. I don't do them. I'm listening to somebody else that's a lot more experienced and knowledgeable about the topics than I am. So I'm watching a webinar. And oftentimes it's on some kind of Adobe thing. And we can sit there and chat. It's actually exactly the same as like a, a breakers.tv type setup. Um, I would probably use a more professional. I know you can. There's ways you can use QuickTime um, Pro or something like that um, and do it. I don't have a Mac. Uh, I use Mac products, but not computers. So I probably wouldn't do that. I'd probably use. Um, Adobe, I I pay for Adobe uh, stuff every month, and I have access to basically all their software. It's a hell of a deal for them. <laughs> Maybe I should invest in Adobe because they are sure sucking me for fifty dollars a month. Um, but anyways, I probably should just buy Photoshop, buy the two programs I use, and it'd be cheaper. But anyways, I'd probably use something um, more professional. But not to say that I wouldn't maybe – if I was trying to g- develop a big audience, I would maybe stream to all the sites. I would – you know, I wouldn't just confine myself to one streaming site. I would you know, have my own proprietary stream on my own site. And my own way to access it and get to it so it's my own. And I think people have experienced why that's important because you can just get kicked off Breakers TV and then you've got to start your own streaming website. Not that that's particularly difficult, but it sure is a headache for you and your customers. So I would I would control that. And I would have that on my own control, so nobody can kick me off. Or if if say say Breakers.tv servers are down, or Cardwell TV server, I have I have like at least twenty or thirty websites. And you know, depending on what server they're on or what you know, sometimes there's problems. Even with Sports Card Radio, there'll be problems every once in a while. They guarantee ninety nine point nine percent uptime, but trust me, it's a lot less than that. Doesn't matter how much you pay. Um, so I'd want to control all that. Uh, the streaming websites, uh, I don't, I think I would use for customer acquisition, but I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my, I would have at some points, you know, blah, 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 golfbreaks.com, or I'd have some website uh, that everybody knew 
and uh, I'd send people there. Wouldn't I wouldn't send people to Breakers TV. I'd I'd want all my own chat room and my own have it all under my own control. So if anything went wrong, it was my fault and I could fix it. I didn't have to wait for some guy to fix it or some girl to fix it or call some you know call somebody else to have to call somebody else to fix it. No. So I hope that answers the question a little bit. And I don't, I want to make it clear. I don't, if you group break or you have dreams of getting into group break, you're not stupid. You're not dumb. You're not doing something that is completely worthless or completely, um, you know, not worth your time. I was, I was at that age at, at one time or I was at that, you know, probably a better way to say it as I was at, at that point in my, you know, dreams of being an entrepreneur myself. And honestly, I tell people, people, people might ask or people will make fun of me or be like, oh, well, you closed a card shop. You, you know, you went broke. And I tell people that was the greatest thing outside of getting married and my family and all that other stuff that was way more important in my life. Uh, But in a bit in my business world, my business career, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was starting a store and and starting on well first starting online then opening a store and then having 2008 hit and losing it all literally losing it all and 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 saying I'm done with this that was the greatest moment that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me it led me into business models and ways to make money that are exponentially easier and exponentially more profitable. Trust me, having just sports card radio is just one of many, many sites that I own and I work on and I put, pour my heart into. And it's actually the one that is probably the worst business model out of them all. But even that website and having a free podcast where I, where, you know, I negative put negative tones on the industry. Just that business is exponentially more profitable than opening a store, let alone all the other stuff I do in stocks and all the other little businesses that I've kind of looked into over the last five, six years. So don't be scared to fail. Don't be scared to open up a group break breaking operation. And after six months, you kind of look back and you're like, well, maybe that idiot on a podcast was right. This is a lot of work for for a lot less money than I thought. And it's just... I have to do this over and over and over again. And the only way I make money is I have to be on, I have to have my webcam turned on and I have to be selling these spots and I have to be packing and shipping the cards. I can't make money when I'm asleep. Those are the businesses I, after closing my store and and getting out of the online business, I said, I'm not doing any more businesses that I can't make money when I'm sleeping. Or I was just at Levi's Stadium uh, yesterday checking out uh, my tickets at uh, the 49ers new stadium. And let me tell you, that stadium is, um, it's, it's impressive. It, architecturally, it's, it's not super impressive, but it's a nice stadium. It's a really nice stadium. Inside some of the bar, the luxury suites, I got seats um, that are right in front of some luxury suites. And let me tell you, I wish I was two rows back in those luxury suites. Good Lord. Because I no way I can afford it. Um, but, um, 
you know, I was making money yesterday. I was in, you know, I was stuck in traffic and at a football stadium that where there was no game being played or nothing really going on. Uh, and, uh, I was making money. So those are the businesses I like now. Those are the only businesses that I really try to focus on outside of this podcast, but I don't really call this pod. This podcast is, is really, Oh, in a large grand scheme of things for me, a waste of time and, um, doesn't make any money, but I'm not, you know, I don't need, I don't need that in my life anymore, but maybe you do. So I want to stress that. I don't want anybody out there to, to think if you group break, I, I instantly think you're a moron and you don't know anything about business. No, maybe, maybe you prove me wrong. Maybe I'm providing motivation to prove me wrong and that'd be great. Come back at me anytime you want. Anytime you want to prove me wrong, write up an article or call me on the phone or request an interview and we'll talk about it. But for now, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You might find, again, six months from now, you might you might find this group breaking is not worth it. It's a lot of time, a lot of energy, and I'm making, you know, I could be making more at a part-time job, you know, lifeguarding or something like that, you know, or refing basketball or something cooler than that. I don't know. But I'll let you – don't be scared to fail. Don't be scared to try a business and fail. That's the most important lesson. If you get anything out of this at all, I learned my lesson. And it was a hard one. Trust me, I was – when I started this podcast six years ago, I was broke. I was probably a month behind on my rent uh, where I was living. I was definitely a month behind uh, on – paying most of my store rent, I'm sure. I probably didn't have very much inventory. Times were a lot different back then. People's houses were once, you know, three weeks ago worth a half million. Now they're worth 350000 and quickly dropping. Gas had gone from probably two-something or maybe even less than that all the way up to five and over $5. So it was different time, different time then. I think it's a little bit safer to um, get into a business that might not be um, what you do for the rest of your life. So don't be scared to try a business out and fail because it it ultimately will, will help you learn and it ultimately probably guide you into more profitable businesses. So at least it did for me. So I don't want, I want to just make it clear that even though I, I get on, I get on financial websites and uh, when I'm not getting into it on my sports card radio, Twitter, trust me, I have at least 15 Twitter accounts and I'm often getting it into with just somebody the other day, I was getting into it about a daily fantasy site that's bankrupt and uh, that is going to be bye-bye draft day and fan throwdown. Those two companies are gone um, at some point or that, that company that owns those two daily fantasy sites, I wouldn't trust them. Wouldn't put my money on that. Probably should have slipped that in more on the last show, but I've done some more research on it, uh, the last week or so found out a lot more, but we're kind of drifting off topic. I will come back after this short break and we'll talk about the NBA. This is going to be a long show. So sit back and relax. Well, I mean, if you don't care about the NBA, you can probably tune out now. Or maybe fast forward to the last three minutes. I sometimes slip things in the last couple minutes. But we'll come back and finally talk about the NBA 
some of the draft picks, some of the cool stuff that's been going on there right after this. And we are back. Like I said, this is going to be our NBA draft, really NBA draft. I'll probably, as we get a little bit closer to the NBA season, I'll probably talk a little bit more about um, the individual teams and maybe some of the stuff that might, I think just briefly, I think LeBron James going to Cleveland, if anything, you know, I I remember seeing the odds, the, the Cleveland went from like, I don't know, like a 40 to one favorite to win the NBA finals to like, like four to one. Like it was like, and they were like, they were the favorite to win the NBA championship. But then when I thought about it, I was like, maybe that makes, I mean, from a Vegas standpoint, that probably makes a little bit of sense because now the East is like, now that LeBron's in Cleveland, the East is like, who knows who's going to win the East? You know, Miami's not going to win the East probably anymore. I mean, you never know, never say never, but I don't think they have the talent to win the East. Uh, Indiana certainly looked vulnerable uh, last year. A team like Washington uh, is is even could win the East, let alone the Cavs, who have a tremendous amount of talent, a tremendous amount of people on their team. Most notably, the number one pick as of now, Andrew Wiggins. Um, looks like he's signed. And so he's not going to be traded. I don't know. Um, I would not trade Andrew Wiggins. Maybe I'll end up regretting this. This is one of the things I'm sure you could go back. If somebody really wanted to make me look stupid, you could go back through the, the hundred, the last five or six years we've been doing this podcast and pick out all the stupid things I've said. I'm sure it's, you could do a whole hour long montage of it. Um, Maybe I shouldn't encourage anybody, but I will say I probably wouldn't trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love for a few reasons. Number one, I wouldn't do it now. I would wait until the trade deadline, wait until February, make sure Kevin Love stays healthy. To me, if you're Cleveland, you're free rolling a little bit with Kevin Love because you're one of the only teams that could trade for him either now or in the future. Um, when the trade deadline comes up and it's a team that Kevin Love wants to go to. So I would just free roll Kevin Love uh, on another team. I would see if Andrew Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins might be a, might look like a superstar the first three months of the season. And LeBron James might make Andrew Wiggins look like, you know, Jordan Wiggins or something like that. I don't anticipate that happening um, to the highest regard. I wouldn't compare him to Jordan, but certainly Andrew Wiggins could look a, a lot better and similar to Michael Carter Williams. And he was the rookie of the year. So I would wait the stuff I've seen of Andrew Wiggins in the, in the, in the summer league, he is still a very raw player, but I heard his lineage. Like, I, I don't know. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but I think his dad, his dad was like an athlete and his mom was like an Olympian. So, I mean, he has like, this is like, a, this is like you know, thoroughbreds and at the Kentucky Derby. I mean, this guy has like incredible lineage. And I would keep a guy like that because he looks somewhat raw on the basketball court, but he's still really good. I saw him pull up for jumpers. He can gather himself. You know, he's really athletic and really quick, but he can gather himself. And I saw him do kind of a, a 360 spin on the, on the baseline and then rise up and dunk it in a game. Um not that that's particularly impressive against summer league talent or even in the NBA, but a kid of his age, uh, it's he looks really good. He's a player that I think in four or five years could legitimately be a, a very, very talented player. If him and LeBron James are paired together for the next five to ten years, 
that could be a formidable, formidable uh, twosome there that could probably win some titles, possibly on their own. That's if Andrew Wiggins, you know, lives up to his potential. And that's really what it is with all these rookies. But Andrew Wiggins should be real valuable. It's it's really too bad. As of right now, Upper Deck is its own standing on its own two feet and have LeBron James tied up into some kind of autograph deal. Because how cool would it be to have, like, they could have quad, I mean, they could have the quad autograph, the Andrew Wiggins, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and even throw Anthony Bennett in there. But the, the triple I'd want, would be Kyrie, uh, LeBron, and uh, Andrew Wiggins. Be awesome. Uh, even dual autographs, dual, triple. You know, yeah, they'll probably. Hopefully, Panini is smart enough to do some dual relic cards or jersey cards because they can do that with LeBron, uh, or just dual cards in general. I think uh, should be. Uh, I certainly would buy them at the right price. Uh, anything Andrew Wiggins and LeBron together in Andrew Wiggins rookie years uh, would be a nice card. Um, Certainly a nice card to have. So we'll see. But uh, Andrew Wiggins, clearly the number one pick, is going to have very valuable, very valuable cards. And I think he has a very bright future just based on what I saw in the Summer League. Number two pick, Jabari Parker, went to the most perfect situation. If you know, not If you don't know much about situations in the NBA and where people can go like Michael Carter Williams the reason why I kind of trashed on him a lot last year he was in a perfect situation that team had nobody like they literally traded guys for like nothing I think even at the trade deadline to get rid of even more people and they drafted Joel Embiid and and I think traded for a guy so you know it's not like they're gonna bring in a whole lot else but uh, that's the Sixers, Sixers situation, a situation that's probably a step below how good, how butter it is if you're a scorer on the Sixers. The Bucks are right there. The Bucks have trouble scoring. The Bucks don't have. They lost Brandon Jennings and Monte Ellis in the same season. I think even somebody at one of their other scorers even left, um, or you know, has had trouble scoring after those two have left. So. Jabari Parker lands in a great spot where he could comfortably, if he can, if he can keep his stamina up and obviously stay healthy, um, he could average, you know, 16, 15 to 18 points a game. Um, the only concern I have about Jabari Parker, I guess, and it's not really a huge concern is that he's going to be the focal point of defenses. You know, I can see him, you know, if he lights a team up, especially early in the year, People are going to start guarding him very closely because nobody else on that team is really capable of putting up that 16-point, 18-point-a-game kind of number. Um, so Jabari Parker could really put up some really good stats. And I think fans, um, if he can prove that he's going to get, if he puts a, if he's, he truly could be one of the best scorers on the team, if not the best scorer on the Bucks. If he starts getting double teamed or they start putting everybody puts their best defender on him, um, and if he's still doing well, if he's passing the ball well, if they're rebounding, certainly if the Bucks are winning, um, he is going to be, I think, a much bigger star than I think people even realize or will give him credit for. Now, he certainly could win the Rookie of the Year because if LeBron James is, you know, taking all the, you know, taking all the thunder and all the credit, which might be deservingly in Cleveland, uh, Andrew Wiggins might be a sideshow. 
and Anthony Bennett might improve so much. He looked really good. It might be time to, I don't know how cheap Anthony Bennett autograph cards are or how sour people are on him, but he looked really, really good in the, in the preseason. And so maybe he's healthy. Maybe he's got a more confidence. We'll see how he ends up playing with, with a superstar like LeBron, but LeBron certainly could help him certainly penetrate and just give him the ball and easy dunk. Um, a lot of plays uh, for him. So, or do a lot of pick and roll. I don't know if, if uh, Bennett can set screens or play pick and roll really well, but uh, it might be a great opportunity for him to play with LeBron. So there could be a, you know, instead of spending on your money on Andrew Wiggins, you could play the lower end. I think uh, Bennett probably has the most upside because so many people were trashing on him all last year. Um, so we'll see. But Jabari Parker, I like I, I like his potential this year. The only, you know, there's probably people out there thinking he could average 20 this year, and certainly that would be possible. But I think it's going to be tough as we get into, you know, the January, February, March months of the NBA season. It gets harder for rookies then because now, guys, the veterans are playing a little bit harder then. Uh, there's a little bit more, you know, more reputation on your game. And so people might start guarding you a little closer, a little better. And so uh, we'll see how Jabari adjusts, but he's a very talented player. I'm sure he will. Number three, Joel Embiid is this year's uh, fitting. He goes to the Sixers because the Sixers had Nerlens Noel last year. So the Sixers will add Nerlens Noel to the team and hopefully playing if he stays healthy. And Joel Embiid will take uh, Nerlens Noel on the bench probably for the whole season. I don't imagine, I don't know this for a fact, but I think Joel Embiid, the, the, the idea was he was gone for the season. And I remember last year when they picked Noel, uh, he was supposed to come back in December. And then that quickly or, you know, around that time, they said, no, he's not coming back. Or I think he even thought he was going to come back late in the season. And then they finally shut him down and said no, because it wasn't really worth it for the Sixers. And I can imagine the same thing. So Embiid, uh, if you want to collect Embiid, and he's actually very funny on Twitter. If you actually follow him, he's actually very... He's actually really interesting. He's a very funny person. So if he's a good player and he's a, someone that is a good NBA player, I think his personality will actually increase his card values even more. So I like Joel Embiid, but I wouldn't buy any of his cards until later on in the season. It's just like Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel's playing in the summer. He looks decent. I, Noel's not a guy, I don't think. He's not talented. He reminds me a little bit like Rashid Wallace without a jumper. You know, he can block shots a little bit. He can rebound a little bit. Um, but if he can, if Noel can develop that like Rashid Wallace type jumper, he has that same kind of length um, and same type of floor, you know, he can probably penetrate a little bit better. Um, but you know, his cards weren't worth a whole lot last year. They didn't go up or down. Certainly very, they certainly didn't go up. They probably just went down most of the year because he didn't play. So I think I anticipate the same thing for Embiid. Everybody will be paying attention to Parker and Wiggins and some of these other guys we'll talk about. They'll forget about Embiid and it'll almost be a disappointment. And you open up a box and you get the guy that was projected to be the number one pick and, and, and uh, you're unhappy. So I, I, Joel Embiid might be a buy, but not until, I would say after January, February, March, I would let it get deep into the season before I bought any of his cards. And again, you can come back in this offseason. You could be getting Bennett right now. You could be getting Nerlens Noel right now, and you haven't missed a whole lot of their upside because once the games start, that's when, the, I mean, the NBA, it's getting attention now, but not so much these rookies. And plus, all the good stuff comes out in the NBA later on in the season, so you might want to wait. Anyways, moving on, Aaron Gordon of the magic 
Um, this guy is like an, uh, think of him kind of like a baby. I, when I look at him, I know he's been compared to Sean Marion a little bit. I look at him and I can see Aaron Gore, more baby Blake Griffin. People don't rem- people might remember pretty well. Blake sat out his rookie year, but when he came in the NBA, he didn't have Blake Griffin got really good last year, got much better at his post-ups. I mean, I think he's getting a little bit more calls from the refs, um, but he's putting himself in the position to get the call. And that's all experience and footwork and learning the game and, and putting in your time. And Blake's got a hell of a mid-range jumper now. I mean, Blake Griffin got he was a dunk artist at best, you know, kind of his rookie year and just kind of got a lot of attention for that. But now he can really play basketball, in my opinion. Um, and I see a little bit of that. I see the raw athleticism in Aaron Gordon. But if he can get with whoever's training Blake Griffin or whoever's been inspiring him to really work on his game, if they get with Aaron Gordon, not that Aaron Gordon could come, be maybe even as good as Blake Griffin, but he has the same type of athleticism, same type of body type. He's not quite as big as Blake, but he probably is a bit, about as big as Blake was in his rookie year. Um, good player. I think Aaron Gordon's a little undersized, and he's on a team, quite honestly, with already some quality frontline players. They have um, Tobias Harris already there. They have, um, who else do they have? They have a center there, Vucevic, or I I don't think that's his name. Um, But they have a center in Orlando that's actually very, when he's healthy, he's a very competent and very good center. Um, Tobias Harris comes off the bench. So they have like other forwards that they were playing last year over Harris. And Harris is a really talented, he actually reminds me athletically of his Gordon as well. So the Magic have some players there at forward already. So I actually think Gordon will, will be a guy um, while he'll get attention through the year, and you'll probably be happy if you pull one of his rookie cards, I think there's more potential in him. And it's it's whether or not you want to buy into the potential in his rookie year, or I think you could probably buy into his potential maybe even his second or third year. But he's a guy athletically and just kind of look-wise um, could be, develop into a very good NBA player, but he's going to have to work on his game because he's kind of at that – that forward position that he plays out has a lot of really good players and a lot of athletic players. Um, so he's going to, you know, in the East, he might even potentially have to guard LeBron James in his career at some point. I mean, n- nobody can really guard LeBron James. But, uh, you know, you got Paul George um, as somebody that he could potentially have to guard. There's a lot of really good players, even in the East. Carmelo Anthony, um, he might have to match up with um it's it's not an easy position, so he's going to have to work on his game, but could potentially be a solid player. Victor Oladipo, I will add, uh, also is a guy, now that I believe Jameer Nelson is gone, I think Miami just, uh, or the Magic just cut him, and I, they got rid of a Flalo. They traded a Flalo. They might have brought somebody else in, but I like Victor Oladipo in his second year. I think he'll be a quasi-team leader there, and if his cards are reasonably priced uh, might not be a horrible buy Um, not a bunch of them but maybe one or two Dante Exum went number five this will be a guy that should have some very uh, 
probably some relatively high card values for a Utah Jazz player, at least during his first year. I don't like that he's in Utah because that's where prospects have like gone to die over them. I mean, even Derek Favors is a solid NBA player. He hasn't really developed his scoring to a clip to really make him an elite, considered more of an elite player. Uh, but he's like a, a mini, he's like a, he, he's like Al Jefferson. He just doesn't score as much as Al Jefferson, but he certainly could develop into, you know, an 18, 19, 20 point game. Uh, player like Al Jefferson is, um, but nobody really collects Derek Favors, and they have uh, Gordon Hayward, who's a really solid player. Um, but it does it does make you wonder about Trey Burke because they have Trey Burke there. I don't know if you can play Exum and Trey Burke against a team like maybe even Phoenix because Phoenix has Goran Dragic and they have I think Bledsoe's a free agent, but they signed Isaiah Thomas. It might be kind of tough to match up with those two. Could put two first and second year guys out there against two really good guards. But imagine uh, the Clippers. You know who's going to guard Chris Paul? I mean Trey Burke's going to guard Chris Paul. Yeah, right. So Dante Exum's going to have to prove Dante Exum or Trey Burke is going to have to prove they can really play defense and maybe Exum can maybe he's lengthy enough and athletic enough to play I mean guys don't play super hard D in the NBA but you at least have to stop a guy uh, to stay on the court so I'm interested to see how that works out and you as a collector if you're if you know you pull a Dante Exum I think he might be a sell high guy in his first year I'm not he's really young I think he's only like 19 years old so he could develop into a, a really solid player he could end up up um, being a solid point guard he could end up getting traded or end up being on another team or the jazz could turn around and be a top team in the west Um, but i don't see that happening in his first or second year and i think there's some there's some there's gonna be some challenges there with trey burke you have burke and you have dante exum and then they also have gordon hayward who's kind of uh you know, who does Gordon Hayward guard if, you know, if you're playing uh, the Golden State Warriors, you might match up on Clay Thompson. But now that means Exum or, you know, Exum or Trey Burke's going to have to guard Stephen Curry and so or Stephen Curry. So it, it's I see some defensive matchup problems for Utah and in being in the West, I don't think they will be a good team. So um, I might sell high on Exum in his first year, but I could I could see revisiting him uh, when he's, you know, when he's 20, 21 years old, might be a value buy and he might end up getting traded or move on to a more popular team or maybe by then the Jazz have figured things out. Number six, Marcus Smart. This has to be the end of Rajon Rondo. Might even, I don't know if it's happened uh, yet, but I know there's been lots of rumors around that. Uh, So Marcus Smart comes to a team with not a lot of uh, identity outside of uh, the head coach and Rajon Rondo. So we'll see how Marcus Smart kind of fits in. He's a guy that could, if the Celtics are good and they're winning and it's a lot because of Marcus Smart, there could be a lot of energy behind him and behind his cards. I personally think it's going to be very difficult um, for them to do that, for Smart to, one, sustain that and do it on the Celtics. I just don't think the Celtics are that good of a team. Um, And so I think they'll struggle. Even in the East, I mean, that's the thing. They are in the East. So they could be a surprise team. They could pop up and be the third or fourth best team, potentially. Um, They really don't have to win that many games to make that happen. So Marcus Smart being on the Celtics, clearly going to be valuable. Um, 
And I think if they get rid of Rondo, if they're able to get rid of Rondo and he's able to kind of start a new era in Boston, I think people are waiting in Boston to maybe turn the page and start a new era. And now you have Smart, they have Selinger, who's actually a very effective player. I think as he gets further on his career, he'll stay out of foul trouble and he'll he'll be a good he's a good rebounder and he's a good scorer against weak centers and weak talent. Um, they have the Olenek kid who's uh, who proved too. He was a very effective scorer and rebounder. They have guys that can hustle and play hard there. Um, we'll, they actually do need a team leader and a guy to kind of pull, you know, kind of pull the strings on the reins. And Marcus Smart may or may not be that guy. Um, but uh, very interesting. I like I like that situation. Um, I probably am not buying his cards just because he's on the Celtics and his cards will probably be valuable. So I probably would sell, but it's certainly a guy I'll keep an eye on and certainly a guy that if there's any kind of momentum behind him, I'm a hold on Marcus Smart. If I pull one of his cards and the Celtics are doing good and it looks like Marcus Smart's a big part of it, I'll hold his cards until it reads a, not necessarily, I don't think it could get to a Jeremy Lin type fervor, but I'll wait until kind of the national media starts picking up on how Smart's leading the Celtics back and he's turning the page a new era in Boston Celtic uh, basketball history here. Um, I'll wait until that happens, but I do, I do think there's a story there, um, potentially with Marcus Smart. Moving right along to Julius Randle, the seventh pick. This is somebody that Laker fans, I think, are really excited about. Kind of uh, maybe a baby James Worthy at, uh, would be a great, uh, great comparison. Certainly you would have people uh, like me, Lakers fans, smiling for the next decade. Um, but we'll see. I know he had he has an issue with his foot that I don't think needs further surgery, but it's there. There's an issue there, and it probably, as he gets later on in his career, will be more of an issue. But hopefully he can stay healthy. And um, this is a guy who's moving into a situation the, that looks pretty good. I mean, who knows if Kobe, like, honestly... Who knows if Kobe's ever going to get, he's certainly probably never going to get back to his, you know, 28, 29, 30 point a game player again. Who knows if he even can come back. Kobe had some real serious injuries over the last two seasons. We'll see. There's certainly a need, even with Nick Young coming back, uh, there's certainly a need for scoring in Los Angeles. Um, And Julius Randle could be a guy that could put up, uh, you know, legitimately maybe 14 points a game uh, if given the opportunities. Um, Jeremy Lin's there. He's an effective uh, distributor of the ball. Uh, Kobe might decide to pat. Might decide it's a good idea to pat. Although he's probably going to be single covered, so Kobe ain't passing. Uh, but uh, there's other guys on the team, and there's not a lot of other scores, uh, you know, outside of Jeremy Lin and Kobe. So with Pau Gasol gone, Julius Randle could be a really solid player. Obviously, if I pull any of his cards. Me being a fan of the Lakers, it, it's probably not an accurate description of what I would probably hold it. You know, if it was a nice Julius Randle card, just because, uh, you know, if it's not worth hundreds and hundreds or a thousand dollars, I'm probably just keeping it. You know, if it's a $40 card, I'll just keep it. But uh, for the rest of you out there, I think Julius Randle could be a sell high guy. He could be like a Dante Exum type guy. I think you could sell him in his first year because Laker fans, while they love they love rookies, and it's almost to a fault. Laker fans love first-year players. As the second and third year comes along, and if the Lakers – the Lakers – the the odds of them being bad is good, um, but I think they have to be in the top five or something to get they they traded away their lottery pick I think in the Steve Nash deal uh, for next year's draft and unless it's in the top five they 
they lose it to Phoenix, I think, or somebody. So the Lakers might not get a top pick uh, next year. Um, so that might help Randall. He might be the sexy and, and still the fresh guy next year. Um, but if they get another top pick next year, people are not going to forget about Julius Randall, but the, you know, the money will be going there. Um, and I can imagine Laker fans, um, while I don't have an extensive Laker collection anymore, Laker fans are always looking for something new. Think about it. These guys have collected Kobe. Kobe autographs are now, you know, barely worth a hundred bucks anymore because uh, Panini's diluted them so much. So it might not be worth stacking Kobe. You might have lost some money if you bought, you know, the older ones or you were buying them right when they, right when Panini switched over. Um, so you're looking for something new. So I think Julius Randle might just be in that case, be a sell high guy because he, you know, people are going to be looking to buy Laker stuff and there's going to be a demand there that might be a little artificial, but, uh, I think Randall will be pretty good. Uh, certainly, certainly, uh, will be interesting to watch. Uh, even if you're probably not a Laker fan, number eight, Nick Stoskas. This is a guy, um, uh, if you're, if you got Ben McLemore cards, you, you might be worried. Uh, ben McAmore's shot was like third on the team in scoring last year, and his shooting percentage was horrible. Like Ben McLemore, if he does that again, he's he's go- he's not going to be searching for a job like Jim or Fredette. I think Fredette signed with the Hornets or somebody recently. But uh, Ben McLemore will quickly be out of the NBA. Trust me, after his rookie deal, if he doesn't improve his shooting percentage. So, and he could quickly be out of a starting job if this Nick Stoskis guy even shoots a, a, a marginal percentage from outside and proves he can guard somebody. It's not like McLemore pays like outstanding defense either. So um, I like this pick probably for Sacramento. It fits with the kind of guys they usually pick and it fits probably a need Um because they have Gay and they have Rudy Gay and they have DeMarcus Cousins. Now it's going to be their show. Um, so I wouldn't expect Nick Scoxis to average a huge amount of points unless Rudy Gay or DeMarcus Cousins and or DeMarcus Cousins miss significant time. And they both did last year. Not significant time, but they both missed games last year. Um, but he will he will be a guy that is probably is probably a hold most of the season hold or sell most of the season because i think you just this time next year you're going to be able to get nick stasis cards for not very much money um so i don't think he's going to make a huge amount of waves in his rookie season um but i like the fit i think he'll he'll get some open jumpers and he has the potential honestly to start on this team i know that might seem kind of weird but ben mclemore is really not a very good player and until he proves it uh he will quickly go to the bench Noah Von Lee drafted ninth. Um, I think he stayed with the Hornets. I think that's who he's, it says it here. I think there was some kind of trades, um, but he's more of a defensive guy. I, people compare him to Bosch. I've heard him compared to Bosch. I think that's body type because this guy, he, while he has offensive game and could develop into a, a Bosch like offensive player, I think that's giving Bosch Bosch's block shots and rebounding is too much credit because Bosch doesn't rebound very well and he doesn't block shots very well. But Noah Von Lee, I think that's how it's V O N L E H. I don't know how that's necessarily pronounced, but Noah is an already probably a better shot blocker, probably definitely a better shot blocker and probably definitely a better rebounder than Chris Bosch. So I like Noah Von Lee. Um, I don't think he's going to be a huge scoring guy, but he's a potential guy. And uh, I think he's a sleeper guy because he's going to get buried in the Hornets have a lot of decent players. And obviously they have um, 
you know, they have some guys that are going to be in front of him here. So I, I, I don't think he's going to get a huge amount of playing time, but uh, could be a guy you not necessarily pay a lot of money for, but could be kind of a sleeper stash guy uh, that could end up being a player, maybe not even next year, but three, four years down the line. Last guy I'm going to talk about was actually, I'll skip over Alfred Payton. I forget who he, I think he got drafted by the Sixers. I can't remember if he stayed there or if he got traded or if that's who he ended up with. I like him, but I don't think he's, you know, watch, he'll be the one that wins rookie of the year, but I don't think he'll be a superstar. The guy I picked after him, 11th, um, it says the Denver Nuggets, but he got traded to the Chicago Bulls. Doug McDermott had a very nice, uh, very nice uh, summer league and proved he could shoot the ball very well. Um, like you know, it's a little bit like Kyle Korver, but uh, could be less one dimensional. Kyle Korver is pretty one dimensional, pretty one dimensional basketball player. Um, Doug McDermott could can score it, you know, not just from the three point, uh, but he he does the three point very well. And he goes to a team that needs a score. A lot of people have grandeurs of Derrick Rose being this great player. I don't think it's there anymore. He's going to have to turn more into like a Tony Parker type player where he averages less points and he distributes the ball better. So he doesn't have that athleticism to finish around the rim anymore. You know, we saw what happened to D Wade this year when he lost his athleticism and eh, D Wade's not really that good of a player. And Derrick Rose, honestly, the, the, when he came back, I saw him as a player. He's not very good. He's not a very good jump shooter. Um, he's going to have to improve his, uh, you know, ball skills distributing around the court. And he already has some of those skills. And Doug McDermott's going to be a guy he's going to try to hit up. And Chicago's a great, is is a lot like Milwaukee. They're a lot better than Milwaukee. Um, maybe not a lot better, but they're definitely a better team um, than Milwaukee. But they also have trouble scoring. Without Derrick Rose, without that big, you know, 18, 20 point guy. I mean, that's why Carmelo Anthony would have been a nice fit in Chicago. Um, certainly in a fantasy perspective for Carmelo. But they play really good defense in Chicago. If they could add a score, if they could add a couple guys that can average 14, 15, 16 points consistently, they could you know, they could win that. They could go. I don't know if they could win the NBA championship, but they could go to the finals. Certainly, certainly the Eastern Conference finals. It could be them and the Cavs playing. So I like Doug McDermott. He's going to a team that legitimately, like I said, has a chance to maybe go to the NBA finals or at least, you know, maybe not. If that's far stretch, you could say they could legitimately make it to the Eastern Conference finals. And so he could be a big story this year. And he's a guy that could he could sneak up and win rookie of the year uh, if he stays healthy. And again, he'll have he might run into some of the same challenges that Jabari Parker runs into that he's one of the only guys on the court that can score. And so they start putting the best defenders on him. They guys, you know, they wake up a little bit when they, when he's on the court and they guard him a little closer, kind of like people do with Kobe and with LeBron. And then and that's the beauty going back to our, you know, come full circle. We'll go back to the number one pick and wrap up this segment. And that's the beauty of Andrew Wiggins. He's got Kyrie Irving. He's got LeBron James, uh, man. Andrew Wiggins not going to have anybody guarding him, you know, a lot of the time. He's going to have like the, the third or fourth best guy guard. I mean, the best guy at his position is going to guard LeBron. And then another good guy's got to guard Kyrie. Otherwise, those guys will just abuse you. And now you got Wiggins, you know, getting guarded by some scrub in the NBA. So he could look really good. And Par- Jabari Parker and Doug McDermott in particular um, – are not going to have that luxury. They're going to be one of the best score. Even if Derrick Rose is out there and he's healthy all year, Doug McDermott's probably a better scoring option than Rose. Trust me. We'll see. 
We'll see. I I haven't liked Rose Rose's game. I won an NBA, uh, not an NBA. I won a fantasy NBA fantasy title with Rose, and I hated him all year. And I think he won MVP that year. And I remember watching him and I'm like, man, this guy sucks. Anyways, now that I'm bashing Derek Rose, I think our NBA segment is up, and that means our podcast is also up. Thank you for tuning in for today's show, everybody. I hope you guys are all doing well out there. We'll come back. Yes, we'll come back later this week, probably on Wednesday or Thursday. We'll call my brother in Cleveland and see how it's going at the National uh, Sports Card Convention going on this week. That should be exciting. We'll see uh, what the tenor of the show floor is. I think, quite honestly, I think it'll be good because I think Cleveland is just is a better is more of a collector's market, is more of a buyer's market, whereas Chicago and Baltimore, those might be more kind of seller, kind of maybe bigger ticket, kind of auction house type locations where you get a little bit high. You you can attract a little bit higher roller to those type of places that that can spend, you know, $100,000 on a Babe Ruth autograph or $10,000 on some kind of old vintage card, whereas Cleveland is, uh, you know, I think it could be really good. Just kind of making the prediction, I guess, here right at the end. I think it could be really good, especially for bargain hunters. And that's what my brother, I mean, that's the biggest reason why he goes is to bargain hunt and find the good deals. And, uh, you know, we end up selling a lot of the cards and then buying the ones we want to buy or just buying more to sell, ultimately, usually. So should be exciting. If any of you guys are going or if you're on your way there, if you're uh, already on your way back, I hope you guys had a great time or you're going to have a great time. Uh, wish I could be there. Maybe maybe, they, maybe they'll come out with a West. I think they should have a West Coast. Make it smaller. You don't need to make it 5 million square feet or whatever. You don't need to have breakers pavilions and, and you know sponsors on the main stage and have Panini and have 5,000 square foot booths. You don't need that out here on the West Coast. Make it a little bit smaller thing, but put the national name behind it. National, I mean, we see this in a lot. The World Series of Poker does it. There's circuit events all over the country, and they just attach the World Series of Poker name to it and it makes it popular i would do the same thing with the nscc could easily put that name on it and call it the west coast national and start small you don't need to don't need to make it all big i'd put it down in la probably san diego the market down there is a little bit little bit more ripe in my opinion than up here in you know san francisco bay area northern california area but anyways, now that we're uh, talking about geographics, well, probably definitely means the show is over. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you later this week. But for now, we are out of here. <laughs>